Great news for Informed Pregnancy Plus subscribers. Dive into our Core Connection course included with your subscription. Hosted by Natalie Headings, a pre- and postnatal exercise specialist and ACSM certified personal trainer, she's an incredible teacher. This five-video series equips you with essential insights to understand what your pelvic floor and core are, how they work, and how to enhance pelvic floor and core strength and proper function during and after your pregnancy and birth. Learn about pelvic floor basics, key postural adjustments, effective muscle releases, and breathing techniques for a healthier core and floor. Don't wait. Visit informedpregnancy.tv and get started with the invaluable core connection today. Welcome to the Informed Pregnancy and Parenting Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Elliot Berlin. My guest today has been around the world and back again. And she found her way from a small town in Switzerland to the French edition of America's Next Top Model, where she won it all. She's a Haitian Swiss model and actress who's here to share with us her unique fertility journey and her pregnancy journey. She's literally seconds away from giving birth. I'm not sure which one of us is going to pop first. Alize Gaillard, welcome to the podcast. Hi, thank you so much for having me. It's such a pleasure and honor to be on your podcast. Oh, it's incredible. For a whole entire month since I met you. So. Yes. It's changed my life, really. Uh, you, you know, I'm not used to being around such positive people outside of my family. I have the greatest family. But, you know, look, I'll be honest with you. It's right now we're recording this in 2020. I have no idea. If you're listening to this five years down the road, 2020, everything they said about it was true. It was a crazy, nutty year. And you had to look for hope in different places. You had to find something <laughs> positive to hang on to. And Alize came into my life just at the right time and Aww. brought her. I don't know where it's from, if it's the Swiss part or the Haitian part or how they play together or the French, but uh, it's not the French. So uh, you really. <laughs> Definitely not the French, no. Uh, yeah, <laughs> Uh, but whatever it is, it's a great combination. You're a very, very warm, positive person. You've been through a lot, and you came here to share some of your uh, interestingness. So uh, I will jump right in. Where are you from? I am originally from Switzerland and Haiti. So I was born in Switzerland when I was about two months old. My parents moved to Canada first. My mom is Swiss, and my dad is Haitian. My dad had a vacation home in Canada in Quebec. Um, we moved there because we couldn't go to Haiti right away because of the political issues with the dictatorship. So we had to wait about a year before moving to Haiti uh, in 86. And I grew up there until 93, until I was eight years old when my parents separated. I have a younger brother, George Henry, that I moved to Switzerland, um, as I said, at eight years old. And my mom was a single mom for about five years. And when I was about... 13, she reconnected with her first teenage love, and he also was getting out of a relationship with five kids. So they got married, they're madly in love again, and so we were seven children up on the farm in the Swiss Alps, 
and they had one daughter together, Rachel, who's turning 22 today, 3rd of December. Ooh, happy birthday. Shout out to Rachel. And also, you know, we're close enough that if you hurry, you could also have your baby on this day. Exactly. And um, yeah, we're very close. She's like my daughter because we're 13 years apart. And being the first of a big family, you're, you know, like a second mom. So, yeah, I always say that the best day of my life was when she was born. And oh. I'm like, sorry, someone might steal the show now. Yeah, seriously. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> that's that's like honestly, my podcast was the number one informed pregnancy podcast was the number one podcast on Apple for five years in my really? mother's house. In my mother's house. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, but, in my house too now. Well, thank you very my, much. My daughter knows your voice for real. For sure, <laughs> the kids come in afterwards and they see our pediatric chiropractor, and for, I just go talk to them in my regular voice, and you know they cry. Just but, look at you like but, I know you. <laughs> yeah, they remember me. They remember yeah. my voice. It's really cool. It's fun. Anyway, I've been replaced even in my mother's house. I've been replaced with my son's podcast, Foodie the Foodie. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Awesome. <laughs> so I'm now I'm a distant number two, even in my own mother's home. So I can see what happens if you drop this kid today. Poor sister. Oh, Rachel. Yeah. <laughs> she's she's out of luck so many questions okay what do you speak language wise so i speak five languages i grew up speaking french and creole in haiti with my parents and then when i moved to switzerland i learned german in school from the age of eight and my grandmother is german as well hmm. um she's gonna be a great grandma 79 years old oh, um, so excited for her yeah that's awesome we're very close and um Creole, French, German. <laughs> Sorry. See, I'm like getting lost in the languages. <laughs> and then I learned English in high school and Spanish. So that helps because my boyfriend is from Ecuador. So Spanish is always a good language to have also in California. So yeah. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always feel kind of stupid. I, like, I'm happy I can name five languages. <laughs> Europeans, uh, I mean, you guys have a better chance of speaking different languages. But I, just, I think also Swiss people in general, they at least speak three languages because you have to in school learn three languages. It's mandatory. So. Yeah, it's cool. Americans, we always assume everybody's going to just talk English wherever we go. But, you know, you go to France, even though they can talk English, they won't just to make a point. Yeah, sometimes they can be a bit snobbish in Paris. That's true. Yeah, but good food, guys, so don't worry. We love you. Yeah. <laughs> good fashion, too. <laughs> <laughs> and good fashion. Well, that's something I don't know anything about, but you do. You ended up on this TV show, America's Next Top Model, in France. How'd that come to be? So I was just living on my farm in Switzerland in a tiny village with 300 people, and one day I get a call uh, before my 20th birthday, and they were casting for that show. And first I thought it was a joke, I didn't call. And then a week later they call again and I'm like, oh indeed, it's a French number. And I decided to call back. They were doing the casting between France, Switzerland and Belgium, the free speaking countries in Europe with 12,000 girls that went to the casting and I made it to the final selection. And then I made it to the show, which was so unexpected. And I still don't know today who sent pictures of me to the casting, mm. but I'm very grateful for it because I ended up winning that show and um, that kind of launched my career. Wow. Congratulations. A few things. So first of all, 12,000 people applied. Yes. And then how many start out on the show? I think it was 14. Okay. So that's already like one in oh, a thousand yeah. essentially. Mm-hmm. And then you won. Do they have you do all sorts of crazy stuff? 
Oh yeah, things I never did actually after ever again, like shooting with a giant snake completely naked or being hung up from, you know, a cord up in the in the middle of a circus, like crazy things, you know. <laughs> but um Are it scary? Think, Are you uh, like those sound like No, I, I love adventure, I love challenges, so I was like, Yay, let's go and do it, you know? I mean there's not much that I'm afraid of, so yeah, I mean, I'm a little adventurous, but I at least like to wear my socks when I have a giant snake on me. <laughs> yeah, I didn't get that luxury, unfortunately. Sorry. Socks. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I couldn't possibly be on that show. Is it all women? All women, yes. It was the first French-American Next Step model, so that was pretty cool. And I believe it was the first time that it was a Swiss person that won a French TV show. Oh. Very unexpected, yes. You plowed through a barrier. Yeah, so that's why it was like, you know, in Switzerland, it was a big hit. And still today, I have visibility there thanks to that show. So it was really great. Well, that's nice. You grew up in a town of 300 people. Mm-hmm. Like, are there stores in a town that size? Uh, there's a tiny little food store. Mm-hmm. And that's it. And back then, we did not have TV at home. My stepfather did not want us to have TV. So we had to, like, ask a neighbor every week for every episode, hey, can we come by? And the whole family mm-hmm. would just show up at a neighbor's house and we would just watch the episodes, you know? That's how it was. And I, I liked that lifestyle because it was just, like, very healthy. We would grow our own vegetables and fruits, you know, our own meat and milk and cheese. Um, it's a cheese farm. What kind of cheese did you make? Rocklet and fondue cheese. Mm. Mm-hmm. Very good. I miss it a lot. <laughs> Were you hands-on in the cheese-making process? From oh, yeah. Raising I cows mean, and milking them? Having, having eight kids on the farm is basically free labor, you know? It's yeah. like <laughs> and being all this one is like being second mom, so there was not much vacation, but it was fun because we would work out in, in the fields during the summer and we were more tan than people who would go to fancy vacation on the beach, you know? So that was fun. It gave me a good work ethic for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, when did you come to the U.S.? So I moved to New York in 2010. So five years after I won the show. And I lived in Paris, Milan, and different other markets around the world and then I decided to move to New York 2010 because that was you know for a model I think New York is really the place to be and I did really well there I was very happy and then my father passed away and I was like oh it was kind of a you know slap in the face I wasn't much in touch with him since I was eight years old until 21 and it, yeah I went to see him when I was 21 years old in Haiti but then not much contact but he passed away when I was 25 and I was in New York working and I was like what am I doing away from my family? You know, what is important in life? So I decided to move back to Switzerland. So I went into political science, which I loved and took like a two year break of full-time modeling. I just modeled on the side, but I was still always every week in a plane working, you know? And in 2012, I was like, you know what? I want to try out acting just for, to get into commercials first, not really to go into acting, acting, but so I came to LA for three months just to try out. And I loved it. And I, I just fell in love with acting. And I was like, that's it. I'm moving here. Didn't finish my studies. And I've been here since. So you're just political, no sigh? Yeah. <laughs> just poly. Yeah, just poly. No sigh. Yeah. You yeah. never got to the sigh. Ugh, that's another subject. Politics <laughs> here. 
<laughs> oh, politics. Oh, you noticed. You caught right on. <laughs> yeah, crazy. <laughs> well, this is why I'm so excited that you're here. I mean, uh, like I said, 2020 was an awful, awful year. Everything you hear about it was absolutely true. And you It was know, a weird year, but for me, it was, I mean, I am having a family, so it's been an amazing year, you know, for me at least. But it's, I mean, the world, it's collapsing and everything is such a weird time. But I'm very grateful of this pregnancy and what's happening right now so can't be mad at 2020 personally <laughs> no you can't but i i think no matter what happens like even in a 2020 year you're just the positive kind of person that you have to find and attach yourself to to stay sane so yeah. i mean you certainly bring a, a breath of fresh air to our office when you stop by from the swiss alps for the Swiss Alps. All right. You had a very interesting uh, fertility journey. It wasn't easy. It was uh, all sorts of things. And a lot of people have them and don't talk about them. But you're European, so nothing's off limits. We're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we will talk about fertility with Alize Gayar. This episode is sponsored by an innovative product that's made a big difference for parents and babies alike, Dr. Mom Butt Bomb. As a parent of four, I've had my fair share of battles with diaper rash, often resorting to thick, unpleasant pastes. I only recently discovered Dr. Mom Butt Bomb, and I was immediately impressed by its pleasant consistency and ease of application. This pediatric-approved skin protectant is free from dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide, making it perfect for your baby's sensitive skin. It's designed by a doctor who's also a mom, ensuring your little one gets the gentlest care. A small dab is all it takes to soothe and protect, avoiding the mess and hassle of traditional treatments. With ingredients like dimethicone and petrolatum, Dr. Mom Butt Bomb not only soothes, but also restores your baby's delicate skin. Available on Amazon.com and Walmart.com, it's the smart choice for every parent wanting to keep diaper rash at bay. Remember, with Dr. Mom Butt Bomb, nothing comes between you and your baby. Not even diaper rash. Welcome back to the Informed Pregnancy Podcast. We're talking to Alize Gayart, and then we're talking about fertility. Well, right now, you're super pregnant, and you're, I mean, literally about to pop. We've never had a baby on the podcast, but I'm hoping tonight that that could change. I'm sending, like, vibes through the internet, the interweb there, just uh, yeah. my little induction vibes. But uh, it wasn't the easiest journey for you. When did your fertility and how did it start? So when I was um, 33, I was just getting out of a long-term relationship, and I decided to have my fertility checked because I wanted to freeze my eggs. Because I'm like, you know, I don't want to rush into finding someone and blah, blah, blah. I find myself being 40 and not finding the person. So I just want to have a little security. So I want to freeze my eggs. So I went to Switzerland. Usually I like to do my checkups there because it's such a different health system, you know, which I prefer. And I go to the doctor and I said, yeah, I'd like to just check my fertility, my hormones level. And he's like, oh, don't worry, you're young. You don't need to freeze your eggs. And I'm like, no, no, really, I, I would like to see where I'm at. And I really want to do that for myself. And he's like, all right, we'll check everything. And he gave me a call like a day later, which is usually not a good news when the doctor calls you. And he says, well, um, 
everything is fine, but there's that one hormone called AMH hormone, antimalarian hormone, that's really low. And I'm glad you insisted into checking your hormone level. And actually, it would be a good idea to freeze your eggs because your AMH level is very low. And I'm like, what does it mean? Because I've never heard of that before. And he said, um, basically, your ovarian reserve is declining. And I'm like, what? Like, I'm 33. What do you mean it's declining? He's like, yeah, you don't have many eggs left, you know, for someone your age. And he said that my egg count was about the same as someone who was 40, 45 year old. So for me, it was such a shock because coming from a big family, I never envisioned or imagined that I could have a fertility issue, you know, and also credit. My mom was really young when she had me. She was 18 and then my brother 20 and then she had my sister at 32. So for her, it was, you know, she was never concerned with any of these issues and my aunts either. They had kids younger, so it was not a problem. So basically with that blood test, it gives you an estimation of the number of follicles that you have inside your ovaries. And for people who don't know exactly, because I have no clue before, and every month, only one of these follicles turns into an egg to then be fertilized potentially. And for me, I only had five follicles in my ovaries. And it's very, very low, which was 0.8 was the number. So the normal number is between one and four for like someone has a normal fertility. And mine was like below one, which is really low. And I was like, okay, well, I need to freeze my eggs right away. And the doctor was like, yeah, I think it's a good idea. So I went to Spain and did it. And what's Spain? I mean, I love a good Spanish omelet, but... (laughs) I did a bit of my research and the laws were more flexible over there. You can have your eggs frozen for a longer time. It was also a better cost than other countries. Mm -hmm. And it's kind of like the place to go in Europe. One of the main places to go. You were living here in the U.S. at that time, no? Yes, but like I looked at the prices in Spain to do the whole process egg freezing, like medications and everything was $3,000. To oh, do wow. it in the U.S. was $16,000. And that doesn't include parking in Beverly Hills. That's exactly. Another, that's and another $16,000. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> wow, that's a great deal. That makes yeah, me so want to go freeze my eggs in Spain. Just go to Europe and freeze eggs there. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you for that but tip. It, but it's true because, yeah, it's so insanely expensive in the U.S. So I was like, you know what, I'll just do it in Spain and the process was so easy and smooth and, you know, it was wonderful. The, you know, so I had a great experience with it. I flew with my sister to Spain with my, my younger sister, Rachel, came with me and accompanied me through the whole process. And they tell you, you know, they're like, oh, you need to rest the off after the intervention and everything. I'm such a, like, go-getter. I'm like, go, 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 go. So I was like, okay, I woke up. I'm like, what time is it? Okay, we're going to catch the next flight to Switzerland. Let's go home, you know? (laughs) I was just like, this is what I got to do. I did it. And then, so I stayed a little bit longer in Europe for that because I was just supposed to be there for two weeks. And I stayed for for two good months. And when I came back to LA, it really hit me what happened, basically. And I, I think I could tell, I could say that I got into kind of a depression for like two, three months. I was not doing well. Yeah. For the first time in my life, I'm like, oh, not doing so well. But it was an interesting thing to go through because also then my grandfather passed in December, actually two years ago yesterday. 
And I was like, you know what? He wouldn't want me to be so sad. He wanted me to be down. And it was kind of a slap in my face, you know, woke me up and I can't let myself be so sad and give so much power into numbers in a way, you know, life is so much more mysterious than that. So I can't just let the doctor tell me, well, he was like, oh, you basically have to have kids like right now. And I was like, what? Oh, okay. I'm single. I'm not really ready yet for that. And um, I mean, I was, I just hadn't found my person. And then I snapped out of it and positive person came back and everything was fine again. And, <laughs> and then I met my now partner, Jorge, who's wonderful. I mean, I hadn't met him that summer, 2018, but I was traveling and this and that. And I said, you know, let's reconnect when I get back, which we did. And we reconnected in March. And since um, April 2019, last year, we've been together. And it's been a wonderful journey. And I told him right away what was happening maybe after a month. And I said, well, you know, I don't know if that's in your plans. He's like the most family person I have ever met. He's so incredible. You know, like the Latin in him is very, you know, super close to his family. But that wasn't his plan, but not right now. He was like, oh, not yet. You know, maybe four or five years. And I said, well, I don't have four or five years. And can you lower down the number maybe? And we talked about it. And I said, well, I'm willing to wait. And he was willing to go, a bit down with his numbers of years, you know? Compromise. Compromise, exactly. And you can't just jump into a relationship and, whoa, let's have babies, <laughs> you know? <laughs> so we just, we dated for about a year and he was very reassuring. He's like, you know, don't let the doctor scare you into, into that and things will work out. Things will be fine, you know? Because 95% of the time, I was always like, yeah, of course, everything will be fine. But then that 5% was freaking out like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, what if I run out of time? What if I run out of eggs? And, and the thing with the AMH level too is it doesn't tell you your capability of getting pregnant because you can't have sex once and get pregnant right away. It just tells you the window of time you have left to get pregnant, you know? Mm-hmm. So then the quarantine hit and we're both of us in at my place and what happened is I wasn't on birth control for the last two years. You say no birth control or low birth control? No birth control. No birth control. Okay. We were just counting the days, like very precisely to mm-hmm. avoid getting pregnant. That wasn't the plan, but 2021, 22, okay. not 2020 yet, you know, and still building our life together. So we had been together for almost a year then. And then I was sick in February. I got, I took antibiotics. And then it put my cycle a bit off track. So when March came and I was late, I was 35 days and I was like, wow, I don't have my period. That's so strange. I called the OB and he's like, don't worry. Did you take any antibiotics? And I said, yes, indeed. And he's like, oh, that's probably it. Don't worry. I'm like, okay. Then April comes and again, I'm late, 37 days. And usually every 27, 28 days, I have a period. And then I started having weird symptoms and... Jorge was like, your boobs are bigger. That's weird. And, you know, I had hot flashes and, and I was just being very sensitive to smell. And then we were like, okay, 37 days without period. That's strange. And in my mind, I'm like, okay, that's it. I have low ovarian reserve. I'm going into menopause. And he's like, come on, that's, you know, you're too young to go into menopause. We were joking about it. And we did a test and we did a first a cute little video kind of recording us finding out. And we read it negative and we're like, oh, okay. And I'm like, okay, well, 
don't know, something's wrong with me, blah, blah, blah. And we do it the next morning, not with a video. I was just in bed, like, just woke up. I did it, put the alarm, put the stick next to me. And then the alarm rang. I looked on the stick and I was like, it said yes. And I was like, oh my God, it was such a shock. <laughs> and I was like, babe, oh my God, look. And he was like, what? And I'm like, I'm pregnant. And he's like, what? We couldn't believe it, you know? It was so surreal. And we did a third one to make sure and realized <laughs> the one, yeah, but because it was just so unexpected. And we realized the one from the night before was actually positive, but we misread it. Oh. Three of them were positive. Yeah, we just were big rookies and read it properly. <laughs> yeah. So. so, yeah, and then when I went to see my, and that was, I found that on birthday, which was 22nd of April, I think. Approximately nine right. months ago. Yeah, right before my birthday, my 35th birthday. And um, I went to see my OB and he said, oh, so you went to do IVF? Because I had asked him for recommendations in town to maybe do a second round. And he said, no. And I said, no, uh, it was natural. He was like, what? And, and I said, yeah, and we were not even trying. He's like, what? That's, <laughs> insane. That's like a miracle. Yeah, you were so, trying not to. Yeah, he's like, You're, your man has super sperm and you're actually really fertile. So, yeah. <laughs> so here we go Great. now. And so, okay, so you still have eggs in Spain. Yeah, but you know what? My number was so low, I only have two eggs. Oh, you have two eggs? <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because but apparently what? you still have eggs in you, so exactly. So we gotta exactly. I we're gonna go for that. number two. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Good. That yeah. means I have a job security. Exactly. Totally. Yes. I love that. Uh, we're gonna take a break because now that you are pregnant, we'll talk about your pregnancy and your plans for your upcoming birth and how they've changed at the last minute. But before that, I do have one question that's been on my mind for the past ten minutes. What language do you think in? Mostly English, to be honest. Okay, there we go. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> okay, we're, we're the same Z's. Nobody can tell us apart. Okay, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back with Alize. Hey, everyone. It's Dr. Berlin, and I want to talk to you about something that is close to my heart. Literally. Omega-3. It's a crucial nutrient that's sadly overlooked. With 95% of women deficient, Needed, the supplement brand I trust, created their brand new Omega-3 Soft Gels. Designed by perinatal experts, they support you and your baby's well-being from fertility to pregnancy and beyond. Unlike other brands, Needed's Omega-3 is sustainable, pesticide-free, and third-party tested for purity. Plus, my favorite, it has a milder taste and smell, perfect for sensitive mamas. Don't wait. Visit thisisneeded.com and use code BERLIN to get 20% off your initial order. Experience the needed difference, consciously crafted for your health and the planet. Welcome back to the Informed Pregnancy Podcast. It's Dr. V with Alize. During the break, she did not have the baby, just by way of an update. Still not yet. Not yet. <laughs> but we still have about 10 minutes, so... Who knows? It could happen. Yes. Uh, all right. So you found out you're pregnant. Very interesting surprise for you <laughs> and your partner. I mean, you had compromised and said, let's wait a couple of years. You wanted sooner. He wanted later. I mean, did he get on board? Was he like sad? Was he excited? So 
I was a bit nervous about his reaction. I couldn't fully be happy because first of all, I, I, I couldn't believe it. It was such a shock. And second of all, I wanted him to be happy. I wanted him to want it as much as I wanted it, you know? And his reaction was just amazing. He was just saying, all right, let's do this. And I was blown away. I'm like, okay. And for two, three days, I could feel him being a bit quiet and I couldn't fully enjoy it yet. And, and after three days, he was like super excited to be a dad. And because we were saying we're 35, both of us, if that happens, it happens, you know, it's, it's meant to be. So there's no other path. So yeah. we'll be parents. Yeah. And between the two of you, you're 70. Exactly. <laughs> that seems weird. Okay. Um, <laughs> how were your first and second trimester? And also the fact that you're a model and mm -hmm. uh, models, like your whole business is your body and how you look. You know, I've had a bunch of models come through the office, very professional models and career-based models. And uh, like you, some of them are very excited about the changes and the bump. And, you know, some of them are so freaked out about it because they're so used to focusing on every line and curve. And it all changes during pregnancy. So, first of all, how did you feel during your first and second trimester? And second of all, how have the body changes been for you? So I thought I would be like my mother. She had the easiest pregnancies, never sick one day and delivered the baby so quickly. And the first trimester was really rough for me. I was very sick. I was in bed for almost two months, throwing up every day, terrible nausea. And yeah, couldn't eat. I lost a little bit of weight at the beginning. And then from the fourth month on, then it was just such a bliss. You know, it was amazing. It was easy. Even now, I'm super active. I don't really work out right now. I've been a bit lazy during my pregnancy, but I mean, in a sense, very active. I'm doing things around the house all the time. I, I still cook as much or go out to see my friend as much, and I'm ready to pop. But my friend's like, hey, come on over. I'm like, okay, sure. You know, I've been staying in a very small circle, obviously, because of COVID. I only see two couples all the time. Um, my closest friends leave a block away. But yeah, so it's been for me. I only started showing my bump around five and a half, six months. For the longest time, I wasn't showing anything. No wage, no bump, nothing. This and is probably a combination of being your first pregnancy, being super tall, and being strong. Mm -hmm. I think that combination of three things. Yeah, probably. Yeah, that's true. But then from one month to another, I gained 20 pounds. And I was like, whoa, the bump came. And so far, I've gained 50. So like 48, 50 pounds for the whole pregnancy. And it was a bit of a surprise. I didn't expect to get as much weight. But you know what? There's a time for everything. I mean, I've worked 15 years modeling. And I've been lucky that I never had to really watch my weight or diet or anything like that. And now I'm like embracing the pregnancy. I feel so blessed and so grateful to become a mother that it's so secondary for me. And I'll have all the time in the world to lose it later. That's fine, you know? That's what I say every single day. For yeah. the past 30 years, so. There's always a plus size modeling, you know, if I, I don't lose the 50 pounds. No, I'm kidding. But <laughs> yeah, no, we can model together. We could audition for the same gigs. I, exactly. uh, but you are modeling now, not, you know, pregnancy modeling. Yes. It's a completely different market that I had no idea of. I was hoping I could work a little bit here and there. And um, surprisingly, it's been pretty good. Of course, because of what's happening, there's less work, but I've been pretty active and working with different brands and it's been a great experience. You work less hours, they pamper you even better than usually. And 
pays better than before too. So I mean, yeah, it's great. I love, I, I'm like, I can just do pregnancy modeling forever. I love it. <laughs> wow. And you want to have that next kid right away. So maybe you can for a while. Exactly. In terms of birth, you know, did you have preconceived ideas, no pun intended, about how you might give birth? Did you do research along the way? What kind of plan did you make and has it stayed the same or has it started to change? So coming from Europe, you know, the treatments are so different. First of all, you see the gynecologist for your pump smear every year. You see the doctor at least 45 minutes to an hour sometimes. There's what? No nurse that, yeah. It's like there's no nurse that checks your weight and all of this and your, your vitals. and No, you just see the doctor and you speak about all everything that's going on. And then he checks you even the the breast exam that you never do here. Like that's a yearly thing that we do in Switzerland. And here, when I came to the US, it's like you have this really rustic chair. You pull out these two metal pieces, you put your feet on there. In Switzerland, I feel like I'm an alien with this giant chair and futuristic. And they do a sonogram every year to check your ovaries and everything. So, you know, mm, it's different more. here. I mean, 45 minutes, none of the doctors, our model's just not set up that way. To spend I know. That kind of time it's, with people. And, just, uh, if, you, if you have 10, 5, 10 minutes, you're lucky. Yeah. So that's why. I really didn't like the experience. I felt like every appointment was kind of rushed, even though the doctors that I was seeing are great, you know, but I just didn't like the lack of connection and really such a number. So I decided after being advised by a friend of mine who went into more natural birth and birthing center, sorry. Oh yeah. Birth center. Yeah. Yeah. So after being advised by a friend and through her experience, I'm actually the godmother of her daughter. She went into a birthing center and she kind of introduced me into that world. I was contemplating doing a home birth, a birth center, but I'm like, maybe for the baby number two, but I'm still going to do a hospital birth. But I really wanted something with more time and care. So I decided to have a midwife. Now, thank God, I can have my partner and a second person. Before it was just one person. So I wanted to have a midwife, but then I can't have a midwife at Cedars with me. And thanks to you, you told me, well, why don't you get a monitress? And I was like, what is a monitress? And you explained to me that it was a mix of both um, doula and a midwife so that she can do the prenatal consultations and postpartum care as well and be there for the labor with me at home. And then once we get to the hospital, she turns into a doula. So... Mm-hmm. That's what I did. And my plan changed really last minute because I knew my first initial doctor, my OB, I knew she was pregnant, but she didn't really make it clear with me that her duty was before mine. Mm. So when I was 36 weeks pregnant, I said, just innocently, like out of the blue, I asked, well, by the way, what do you do? And she told me she was due, like the date was before mine. And I was like, wait a minute. So you won't even be there for birth. And she's like, no. I'm like, oh, that's just great. You know, I was a bit bummed because if I had known that, I would have probably been with another OB because I feel more comfortable being followed by the same person that will be there at the delivery. Sure. Yeah, so I changed doctor in the same practice, but I went with Dr. Brock because I heard about him on your podcast, first of all. (laughs) Yeah, it was several episodes, Dr. Brock. Yeah, yeah. And also because he has the lowest rate of C-section at Cedars, And I really want something without the least intervention possible. Obviously, if my health or the baby's health requires intervention, sure, that's fine. But um, I don't want to be encouraged to get Pitocin and 
and all that stuff that leads eventually to C-section, you know? So I really trust this doctor. And at 37 weeks, I actually started seeing him, which is super late. And I also got my midwife. Yeah, also at 37 weeks, I found her. Well, so your whole plan changed so, a lot at 37 weeks. You went completely. from... Yeah. To a new doctor. And 37 weeks, just like, you're already term, you know? Yeah. And, you're already in well, the zone of when the baby can come. Yeah. And that's when and, you found your doctor and your doula slash monotrice. So it's going to be your partner and your monotrice laboring with you at home. And then yes. uh, when you go to the hospital, Dr. Brock. Exactly. Will attend your birth. Mm-hmm. And also because... Part of me was thinking, you know what, I can just keep on with the same OB and when she gives birth, I'll just switch with whatever doctor will be available then at the office, you know? But then I'm like, no, I I only get to give birth like once, two, three times maybe. So I really want to take that chance and have more control over what's happening and choose my my birth. I mean, my daughter's birth, you know, Um, plan it better. Well, it sounds like you want to labor at home for a while. Mm-hmm. which is great to have a monotrice there because they do have medical training and medical benefits, meaning they can um, they can monitor things. They can monitor your cervix. They can monitor your baby's heart rate. They can monitor your vital signs and make sure that things are going really well. Mm-hmm. And uh, that can help you stay home confidently longer. And then also, you know, if things are going well, make sure you don't get to the hospital until, you know, you're close to the end. And so you're just mm-hmm. ready for the last bit of transition and pushing I mean, it sounds like a great plan, and you're strong and healthy and tall, and you have a fairly decent chiropractor. I mean, things should go well. <laughs> it's all in the chiropractor, you know, that's the whole secret. It's <laughs> a lot of pressure on me. It's a lot of pressure, yeah. Alize. Um, do you have fear at all about childbirth? You're so, like, European confident. I'm like, once you have a snake on you and you're naked, does all fear go away? Is it? Uh... You know, I think women have been birthing for centuries and centuries, and... Of course, when it happens to you, it's different. It's a whole new experience, but I'm not afraid of it at all in a weird way. Maybe I'm just totally naive about it and I'll be like, oh my God, it was the worst. It was so painful. And I'll try to go without the epidural. But if it's too painful, you know, I'll consider getting the epidural because I don't take any pride of being in pain and be like, I did it without an epidural. You know, whatever works best at the time will do. Mm -hmm. So... No, I'm not afraid of birthing itself. I'm only afraid of not having control over decisions that are made at the hospital. And that's why I took a midwife or monitress, Kimberly Bonkaron. She's, if I say her name right, she's wonderful and we really clicked. And just having someone to advocate for me, you know? Because mm-hmm. as much as I've learned through your podcast, I'm not a doctor. I don't know everything about all of these medical terms necessarily. I'm way more informed than I was a couple of months ago, sure. But um, for me, that is the part that I'm like, okay, 30% of birth in the U.S. are cesarean. It's crazy to me. Yeah, it's very high. And most of them are not uh, people asking for a cesarean. They're unexpected I, cesarean. Yeah, which I understand and I respect too. It's just not my personal choice. It's just such a personal decision that I'm, you know, I'm not judging anyone's decisions, but that's just not my decision. And so that's the only thing that I would fear in a way that I'm not in control, you know? So that's why I have Kim with me and my partner. (laughs) I mean, I'm on the same page. I think there's a million great ways to give birth. It's great to explore the different options and pick the one that's best for you and then surround yourself with a team of people who are going to support you all the way in your choices as long as you're 
within the realm of health. Exactly. And, you know, you're open-minded to interventions, too, if you need them, which takes off some of the pressure. I'm just like, I must do it this way. No. All right. I'm, uh, you know, forever grateful to spend time with you. and Likewise. Always a pleasure. Your warm Swiss Haitian energy. And I'm excited for you. I, I don't even know if I'll see you again before you pop. Maybe. Maybe, maybe not. We'll see. I'll let you know. It's the story of my life. But either way, you've committed to coming back and sharing with us how the experience goes. So hopefully next time we talk to you, you'll have a sweet little baby in your arms and a great story to tell. Mm -hmm. I hope an easy and smooth delivery. Smooth. I can hope for easy, but I hardly ever see easy. Smooth. (laughs) You know, it's labor. I know it's like, I don't think I'll be like my mother because she's an alien. But when I ask her, did you ever get an epidural? No. Why? Didn't really hurt that much. I'm like, what? Like, she's the only person that ever said that I know is not going to be me because, you know, she wasn't sick. She didn't have any symptoms. And I was sick like a dog. And You never you know, know until you get there. I think it's a mindset maybe too, or I don't know. Yeah. I do have one final question for you. Where can we find you online? So you can find me on my Instagram. It's at Alize, A-L-I-Z-E-E underscore Gaillard, G-A-I-L-L-A-R-D. Or my website is www.alize-gaillard.com. Oh, wow. This is, could be a whole other episode. On Instagram, it's an underscore, but on www, it's a hyphen. Yes. Wow. Okay, <laughs> good cliffhanger. Alize, thanks for joining me and sharing your story, and also for teaching me how to pronounce Gaillard. And also at home, thanks for listening to the Informed Pregnancy Podcast. If you like our show, share us with your friends, uh, like us in your app, and leave us some feedback. And then visit us online at informedpregnancy.com. Doctor, doctor, give me the news. I got a whole lot of questions for you. Kids gonna test my will I got a lot to learn And my babies do <laughs> This episode is sponsored by an innovative product That's made a big difference for parents and babies alike Dr. Mom Butt Bomb As a parent of four, I've had my fair share of battles with diaper rash often resorting to thick, unpleasant pastes. I only recently discovered Dr. Mom Butt Bomb, and I was immediately impressed by its pleasant consistency and ease of application. This pediatric-approved skin protectant is free from dyes, preservatives, and zinc oxide, making it perfect for your baby's sensitive skin. It's designed by a doctor who's also a mom, ensuring your little one gets the gentlest care. A small dab is all it takes to soothe and protect, avoiding the mess and hassle of traditional treatments. With ingredients like dimethicone and petrolatum, Dr. Mom Butt Bomb not only soothes, but also restores your baby's delicate skin. Available on Amazon.com and Walmart.com, it's the smart choice for every parent wanting to keep diaper rash at bay. Remember, with Dr. Mom Butt Bomb, nothing comes between you and your baby. Not even diaper rash.